let's just face it, some people have a knack in finding the funny things in life. Obviously, there are many who are not so inclined, and I understand that. My guest is Scott Westbrook. For those who know him and appreciate him, you're already smiling. You're either thinking about the last prank he pulled on you, or someone you know, or you're thinking of the last post he made on social media that caused you to chuckle. When I first met Scott and his bride Michelle, they had recently moved into our county. They had also brought a new baby into the world. Soon after the baby part, I saw the first of many pranks he would pull. As always, there are some who did not find that particular prank funny. Just for the record, I laughed out loud. And I still laugh when I think about it some 25 years later. I am aware that people are made up differently, and that's a good thing. Some of us are inclined to see humor in just about any situation. I'm not sure if it is a different wiring in the brain or it's just a personality trait or the family culture where we were raised. Maybe all. But I like to be around people who laugh and make me laugh. I am sure of that. Others simply do not find funny and funny. And that's okay. God made us different. But there are others who spend most of their time looking for something that offends them so they can enjoy being offended, I suppose, and maybe make their world a little more dismal. The things we laughed about 20 years ago we are no longer supposed to find funny. Someone may be offended, for goodness sakes. As Scott says, we're all walking on eggshells, so we won't offend someone who doesn't see the funny in funny. In this episode, we'll delve into the mindset of a man who has a natural knack for finding laughter in the midst of chaos. And yep, you'll hear a few stories and hear about a few pranks, firsthand from the man who created them. There's a bonus lesson here, by the way. I would imagine there's some who believe the key to success in this life is to spend most of your time being serious and maybe laugh when nobody's looking. After you hear about Scott's beautiful wife and the three wonderful children they have raised, maybe you'll change your mind. Scott Westbrook, with his infectious laugh and light-hearted perspective, has brought joy to countless people. Hopefully you'll find a little of that joy in this conversation. And take a walk on the path of funny. And if even for only a few minutes, get off the eggshells. From a hearse, it could be worse. Laugh, think, and cry with the country undertaker. This is Bruce Goddard, and you're listening to the View from a Hearse podcast. As I mentioned, I got my old buddy with me, Scott Westbrook. Scott is a funny guy. We text back and forth all of the funny things we run up on all the time. Scott, I think the first time I met you, and I don't know what year it was, and it may not have been the first time, but it was soon after I met you, I was at a Wednesday night church supper at the Baptist Church in Butler, Georgia, and you came in with Michelle, and it may have been your oldest child, Tucker, that you had then. I don't know what year it was. You can help me with that. You had a baby carrier, and when you walked in, 
you tripped and that baby carrier with the baby went across the room. One lady wrenched her back. Obviously, you were carried on foolishness. You had a doll in there, and I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Do you remember that? I do, Bruce. I, um, it, it was in the late 90s because Tucker's now 26. And one of the <laughs> you know how you are with your first child. You treat them like they're, you know, an egg. You, you're scared you're going to drop them and all. We were young parents. And I was carrying, the, you know, Michelle was in the nursery with, with, the, with Tucker. And I was carrying the baby carrier, which was a lot different than what they are today, obviously. And um, I had a blankets piled in there and all that. And everybody thought the baby, because it was in the wintertime, they thought that Tucker was in there. And I was like, no, after about two or three times of me explaining Tucker's in the nursery, I said, there's some folks that think Tucker's in here. I could have some fun with this. So, yes, that's exactly what I did. And probably the lady who heard her back will probably be listening to this podcast. She won't find it nearly as funny as you and I did. But uh, I, that was not my intention of hurting anybody. But, but yes, the mother instinct kicked in on a lot of women. And they sure, yeah. And then they, I think Michelle later that night told me that two or three people, she had no idea what happened. But two or three people came to the nursery and they just looked at their head, looked at Michelle and shook their heads and said, your husband. <laughs> Well, you hadn't been here long. People didn't. I don't know how y'all, how long y'all had been here. How long had you been? Probably moved? about a year. Maybe I don't know. Maybe about a year because you know. Uh, maybe I just started going up there. I don't know. But it was right. funny to me. That's the problem about humor. Mm -hmm. What you and I find funny, somebody else may not find funny. And you know, after I knew the baby was okay, I laughed. If I'd have thought the baby, was, it was a real baby in there, I would have been upset. But it was funny to me, you know, the way the world works, what you and I think is funny, somebody else may not think it's funny, right? Well, 1996 and 1997 was a significantly different time than what we have today. And, you know, I think it's probably, and I don't know, Bruce, if it's, this is how your mind works, but we can't really control how we're made and how our, what kind of involuntary thoughts we have in our head. <laughs> But my, but my, and, and your brain probably works the same way. I see something and immediately I try to find something funny about it, you know, yeah. and it could be, it could be something that the rest of the world sit there and go, what do you find funny about that? I can't help it. My brain just sits there and finds something, you know, funny about, you know, a, a sign or, a, um, or what somebody says or what somebody has as a, as a bumper sticker that they may not intend to be funny or whatever. Our minds just involuntarily go that, Hey, that. That could be made into a joke or spun into something yeah, fun. Yeah, and I'm the same way. I mean, I look for the humor and stuff. I, I look for that. And what I figured out in my years is, number one, people love to laugh. Not everybody likes to laugh, but a lot of people mm -hmm. love to laugh. Mm -hmm. uh, it's good for them to laugh. Laughter brings people together. You know, when you're laughing, you're not worried about what somebody's religious beliefs are or their or the political beliefs. You're just laughing. It's kind of like music. You and I just kind of find the same thing. It's kind of funny. I think that's why we connected as friends. I've never asked you this, but I bet you like The Office, right? That show? Oh my gosh, The Office and Parks and Rec. And, and once again, even though Office was just a, you know maybe a decade ago, you couldn't make that today. No. You could not make it. I mean, the people are just, I think so many people mind, like you and I try to find the funny and stuff. There's a there's a segment and it seems to be growing in our society where people look for a reason to be offended rather than to find something actually funny about something. I know. Mm -hmm. It's the office, I believe, is the most brilliant T V show I've ever seen. And you're right. Get thrown out today by that would never be allowed. But there's some funny stuff in there and I still we look at it. It's I laugh out loud. It's just funny. Mm -hmm. But again, some of the people that don't find that funny because at the beginning 
my kids were watching it and I looked at a little bit and said, what's so funny about that? So I had to start and really look at a few. And then I realized all that tied together and I realized how brilliant it was and how funny it was. It was absolutely amazing, that show. And it, I think it's kind of typical of you and me and how we, what we find funny. <laughs> so, Well, I think because too, people can identify with that show so well because it's, it's, it's supposedly, you know, a setting that's a hidden camera type situation, reality show. But most of us can think who have worked in office settings can think about a character on that show that reminds them of somebody they worked with at one time or another. And that that's probably what makes it so funny. One of the things that my family do, and you might want to try this, Bruce, <laughs> is when we're sitting in the airport sometimes, we'll sit there and we'll try to figure out as people walk by and we're people watching, find a person that we see at the airport that thinks they may look like somebody we know. And my mind immediately goes to probably one of the most negative attributes of a person, you know, that, that matches. And then I'll sit there and I go, that's so and so, and my kids will and start laughing about it and everything, and, and because they know that it, it, it may not, it's just it could be any you know the way they the way they're dressed or 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 the way they're you know carrying themselves or something. This guy finds funny and everything, and he's a breath of fresh air. Uh, we're going to talk about his social media in a little bit. He's had some ups and downs there, but you won't find anything negative on Scott's social media page. Uh, you're going to mainly find stuff about his kids, and besides that, it's going to be funny stuff that he he just sees every day in life and makes you chuckle, and it's good for us to do it. Scott, for a time, before we get into that, you started doing some stand-up comedy at some places, right? I did. I did. And I, believe it or not, and the way it's, it's spawned and, and, and changed is, is I, I try to keep it as clean as possible, so I would speak it some, just like you when you got started. I would speak at some churches and some you know valentine banquets and things like that but but mine kind of spawned a different direction because i do have an auctioneering license and i do a good bit of auctioneering like uh i do the big 4-h gala they have in atlanta and i've done march of dimes and stuff like that so so i've taken what i learned and doing a little bit of a stand-up comedy and did it with working in with my auctioneering and, 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 and make it a little bit different spin that way. And I um, had some a lot of fun doing that. And I mean, it's nothing that, you know, I sit there and expect to pay my mortgage with on a monthly basis, but but it, it, it is definitely something that where I can channel that. And, uh, and of course, like you said, social media, I've been able to um, take, that, take that and spin that into some um, pretty funny. People are offended. People look for things to be offended by, and it was, it was much, life seemed to me much easier two decades ago when you could yeah. just laugh and laugh at yourself. And you really, you're not laughing at people, you're laughing at the quirkiness of life. And, and it's, it's good for us, that is for sure. Well, one of the things I learned from doing the stand-up comedy is, is what comedy I'm comfortable doing. And, and the two things that I'm most comfortable with is self-deprecating humor and observational humor, which, you know, the, observational humor is, is kind of a Jerry Seinfeld. And of course, then they've got the Rodney Dangerfield is, is the self-deprecating. Yeah. But one thing I like about self-deprecating is if you're making fun of yourself, nobody else gets offended. Right. I know you, you're you spreading cheer in the world. A lot of people know you. You know a heck of a lot of people. Again, I'm talking to Scott Westbrook. So, Scott, 
Let's talk about you've got a Facebook page, and I love to look at it because, as you know, most Facebook accounts, there's a lot of negativity. You know, people expressing their opinion one way or the other, and it's just a lot of stuff that kind of drags you down. I love to look at people that post pictures of the family and talk about the family and all that, but you do that, but you also are always, wherever you are, you're posting something funny or you're posting something you saw, and like you said, it, you slant it in a funny way. You make people chuckle when they read it. So you were going along with that, and somewhere along the line, somebody stole your Facebook identification. Talk about all that. Talk about how that happened. That was crazy. Most people, when they get hacked, they get it back, but but you were never able to get your account back, right? Well, I haven't yet. That's correct. Uh, look, this is this is what happened. We were at a football camp up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and I woke up early one morning in the hotel. Uh, Michelle Carson still asleep. Picked up my phone, logged on to Facebook, and when I did, it showed that some attractive young, it looked like some twenty-something-year-old woman. It was a foreign-sounding name. Had accepted a friend request from me, and I was like. I didn't send that person a friend request. I have no idea who that is. So I went to the page and unfriended them immediately. Well, when I did that, it the floodgates opened and all of a sudden it, these things popped up and said, your your Facebook account has been flagged for a dollar. And, and I, I'm telling you some pretty serious accusations. I was like going, what's going on? So I like was trying to log out and because I said, oh, I've been hacked. Let me change my password. Well, that was my problem is the password I had was the same password I had on other things. And I think probably some obscure website i had used that password on and people probably just fishing just tried that password on the facebook account and anyway but within within just 20 seconds my facebook account disappeared it, it was gone gone there was no way to log in no way to get it back i tried everything i tried through michelle's facebook account i tried through twitter i tried through email i tried through if you think you can pick up the phone call and call no. facebook and get somebody on the phone right. you ain't gonna be able to do Forget that i'll tell you that there's nobody there. but, but when i googled the situation, I found out there were a lot of people in my same circumstance. The same same thing happened to them, and a lot of people. I mean, I didn't make I don't make a living on my Facebook account, but there was a lot of people that did make a living, and they just they lost their entire income stream, and they Facebook would not help them out at all. Well, I went as far as sending a certified letter to Mark Zuckerberg. That's what I did. I mean, I did the old snail mail and sent it to him. We never got the you know that he signed for it or any of that kind of stuff. But but I did all that. Well, I started another Facebook account. I, would, I mean, I didn't want to, and Michelle was like, you need to. And I was like, I just, I mean, I, I can do Twitter and not worry right. about this mess. Well, but you had all your pictures of all your kids. Yeah, so there's, there's a lot of stuff on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Memories. And, it's almost like a diary of your life. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. The memories, all that kind of stuff that were saved, just completely gone. So I started another Facebook account in about, Two or three months into it, a, a friend of mine from high school who's an attorney in Columbus picked up the phone and he lost his Facebook about the same weekend I did. And I tell you, it's obviously something. It's either it was either a Russian hack or something. The reason I say that is it also hacked my Spotify account. And you know how Spotify will suggest songs for you based on right. what you're listening to and stuff. Right. I logged onto my Spotify account a week later and had all these Russian songs they were suggesting that I listened to. And so so I was like, okay, they hacked the other things. That's really scary, really. It is. Anyway, so a buddy of mine who's an, an attorney in Columbus, and we graduated high school together, called me up and he said, somebody told me the same thing happened to your Facebook that happened to mine. And I said, yeah, and we talked. And he said, same thing happened. He said, well, he said, I tried to get in touch with him. I tried to call. I said, same thing, nothing. He said, yep. Yeah. He said, I Googled, and it looks like a bunch of other people. I said, yes, that's right. 
He said, well, he said, I sued him. I said, you did? <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, I said, well, sue him for me too. He said, we're going to, we'll get into that, Scott. He said, but he said, I sued him and they ignored me. And he said, I got a default judgment on him for $50,000. And I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, now they've kind of hired a local attorney. They want to talk to me now that I got a default judgment. I'm trying to get them. So he, he if you Google him and his name's Jason Crawford and he, he, he actually, uh, um, he and I talked at lunch today and we're kind of working together on trying to, to put all these people together because once he, and I shared it on my page, once, once it got to the news, he's told me he's got contact, people have contacted him from Australia, Canada, all over the world that it's happened to them. And so he's looking into seeing what he may be able to do. Wow. For everybody in this situation. So, so are you able to go like on, get on, your new account and search for your old account and see it or it's not there it's like it's never existed so you don't even see it at all nothing no you lost all that stuff but you're still entertaining the world with your with your facebook i'm glad you're out there you certainly like i said you're a breath of fresh air let's go back you grew up in alpharetta which is north of atlanta a small town that has changed hasn't it <laughs> A little bit, it's, right? It's funny. One of the main thoroughfares in Alpharetta area now, you'll hear everybody refer to it when they give traffic reports as Mansell Road. My great-grandmother was a Mansell. It's pronounced Mansell. The family pronounces it Mansell, but now all the people that have come in the community afterwards have changed the pronunciation as Mansell. But, you know, it's something we always joke about because we have a Mansell family reunion each year. It's changed significantly. I mean, there's an ultra-high-end restaurant um, where my grandfather's country store is located. I think Tom Glavin lives, you know, like a three-iron shot from my grandfather's country store. That now it's called the Union Restaurant. My parents, this, you'll love this, Bruce. My parents have not stepped foot in that restaurant because they serve alcohol. <laughs> Well, I have stepped foot in that restaurant. You know, David, our oldest son, his wife and family live probably a mile from there, two miles at the most, and we we ate in there. It was great, and I knew, I think I called you when I walked out of there. When you moved to Taylor County, you've got this thing for small towns, right? I probably did it by default. It seems like you moved down here intentionally to live in a small town. You can you can blame my wife for that because you know, this is I always get when I start talking to people and they meet me for the first time, they'll ask me now. I'll say, "Well, I grew up in Alpharetta." They're like, "Well, how did you get in Butler, Georgia, from Alpharetta?" And I'll like look over, look around, look right, look left, and look at them and get real low, and I'll say, "Witness protection." <laughs> yeah, right. And then you'd be surprised how many people kind of go, you know, they're taken back by that. But then I'll tell them, I say, "Well, my wife was getting her master's at Auburn. This was in the early to mid '90s." Uh, I was working for the city of Columbus, uh, doing commercial property appraisals. A job opened up in, 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 in Butler, um, of all places, and uh, for what I was doing, you know, in the courthouse and things like that. I had, you know, I was young and, you know, uh, pretty overconfident in my abilities, and so I put in for a job that normally people in their like late 30s or the early 40s get it. Yet, and I was like 24 years old, and I, I put in for the job and got the job and now for a few months there michelle was at auburn and i just see her on weekends i would come work here monday through friday and go see her on the weekend and as soon as she graduated i guess we had not had the discussion but i told her i said um she got close to graduation i said well look we need to think plans we'll move back to alpharetta and we'll go up there and i'll you know start a business up there or something and she's like i don't really want to raise a family up there or or, or you know, deal with that traffic. And so um, I think let's try to raise a family in a small town. Well, I looked at her like she was crazy. Like, there's no way I can make a living, you know, 
in a small rural area. I don't know anybody here. I don't have any contacts. But I, you know, she was my wife, and I loved her. And, and now you know everybody for sure. Everybody knows you. We did a, a pretty big geographical footprint. It's, it's worked out well. So we. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny. When I go back to my class reunions, Bruce, and see all my friends who live in the Atlanta area, a lot of them may be listening to this. So many said, Scott, we wish we'd have done like you. We wish we would have, you know, when we were young, got out of this rat race and going to a small town. And I always tell people, I say, look, the difference between living in Atlanta and living in a, you know, small rural South Georgia, you're just trading one bag of snakes for another, really and truly. But the, in a small town, the, the bag of snakes is a little more manageable, typically. I mean, you know the families that your kid's going to spend the night with. You know, you know, if, you're, if your son or daughter starts dating somebody, you've probably known their parents for many, many years. In a metropolitan area, that ain't, that's not necessarily the case. No, you may not know. possible. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. And there's some drawbacks, but there's also the, the biggest thing is everybody knows everybody. I moved about 20 years ago, actually, mm-hmm. right? a little over 20 years ago. But, you know, I remember if, if we missed church, my neighbor was Miss Winifred, and she would call to see our car. And said, "I see you didn't go to church today. Somebody sick over there." <laughs> Nobody missed anything, you know. It was just right. living in a small town. That's some funny stuff that happens. I know you've had some experiences that happen in a small town that you probably won't get in the city, right? Oh yeah, oh definitely. I mean, the fact that everybody knows everybody can can kind of be a double edged sword too. Because I mean, you remember. One time we had a, a new preacher in the community and, you know, he, he hadn't been here uh, maybe two or three weeks, but yet everybody knew him, but he didn't know anybody. <laughs> and so um, I, uh, I saw him at the Piggly Wiggly and, of course, you know, the people would see him and they'd come up and introduce themselves to him just like it's done in a small town. It's, it's overwhelming at first, but get to where you know everybody and who's related to what and all that kind of stuff. Well, he was distracted talking to all these people. And I, I don't know if you remember, but I kind of put a six pack of beer in his uh, <laughs> in his grocery cart and uh, and just kind of covered it up while he was talking to somebody an aisle over. And I just hung around the store a little bit. And he got to the front and started putting his groceries up, made sure I was right behind it when it happened, you know. So so the fact that you know everybody sometimes, you know, can come back and, and bite you in the rear end with, the way you and I like to do things. So you know? that reminds me, I'll never forget. And I was a Methodist then, but we had a new Baptist preacher that came to town. We were playing golf in Reynolds, and there were four of us. We were teeing off number six. Mm-hmm. And the guy running the golf shop, Chuck Bishop, brought the new preacher out. And Dr. Watley was, he was a deacon at the church, and he'd already met him, so he brought him out, and Dr. Watley introduced us to the new preacher. And me and my buddy were sitting in the cart, and Dr. Watley and my daddy were in another cart. And we all met the new preacher. Glad to have you. Glad to have you in, the, in Reynolds. This is wonderful. Daddy teed off, and the new preacher said, that was a damn good shot. <laughs> so I said, did he say what I thought he said? As we were driving down, did I mishear that? And he said, no, that's what he said. But anyway, mm. a lot of stuff happened in a small town. And you, you were talking about the church and the preachers. There's been a lot of stuff happening. You go to a small church, and you get to know all the characters. Churches. Obviously a serious place, but that's some funny things happen in church. The funniest things happen when you're not supposed to be laughing, right? Exactly right. Exactly right. We had a, a men's retreat um, uh, one time down at Friendship Camp, and you and I, and there were probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 people down there, and we were staying in those cabins, and you know how those cabins were at Friendship Camp. They're bunk beds. You're all within about four feet of each other. The bunk beds are stacked up. I had planned on this a week or two before, and I kind of let everybody know except the preacher. I had bought a purple thong. I don't, do you remember this, Bruce? I may remember it as you tell it, but I don't remember it right now. 
I made sure I told everybody, I said, let me get next to the preacher's bed. I wanted everybody to be prepared, like to be able to not laugh and to make like it was no big deal. So what I was going to do is that night after we had everything done and everybody comes and brushes their teeth and takes a shower and everything, I was going to disrobe all the way down to that thong and just walk to the back. And everybody's going to be in on it except the preacher, you know? The other day, Michelle and I were going through stuff, and I found that purple thong and told her, you know, so I, if I tried to put it on now, it would look like a body tourniquet. But 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 that was one of my favorite memories, you know, that uh, a bunch of guys all around, and we're all in our 30s, 40s, and 50s, and we acting like we you know, 16, 17, 18 years old again, you know? Well, what did the preacher do? Do you remember his response? He was looking around at all y'all. He looked at y'all like, do y'all see what I see? <laughs> are y'all not, are y'all, and everybody else was in on it, and they were just kind of, you know, uh, you know, like it was no big deal. Like, you know, I was just walking around in a pair of white underwear or something like that. <laughs> you know, so. I went to a church camp one time, a men's thing, a men's retreat, and somehow or another, they had four of us to a room at this mm-hmm. place and this was double beds mm-hmm. and that's way too many men in a room yes. and yes i'm a big old guy and the guy that was sleeping in the bed with me he was probably about five nine and weighed about 90 pounds mm-hmm. and i'm i'm sleeping in the bed with him and of course i'm messing with him a little bit he was a little more timid than i was too but mm-hmm. you know i'm pushing him over my butt you know getting him to the side so i got room so the next morning we went and there was people from all different places from this was in florida where this camp was but there were people from all over southeastern united states at this camp and and the guy that was at the beginning of the breakfast fixing to say the prayer over breakfast, he asked the crowd, said, how did, how did everybody sleep last night? And I raised my hand. I said, I went to bed. I had on my underwear. When I woke up, I had on Jay Borum's underwear. <laughs> <laughs> and he turned red as a beat. But Jay was he a good old guy. He should have known something like that was coming. He should have known that was coming. I, I remember thinking, I ain't staying in this room with four, three grown men. I'll go get me a motel room somewhere. <laughs> but somewhere, I stayed in there one night anyway. Crazy things happen in church. So we had a guy up at Butler that I know you got a kick out of, Mr. MP Dean, and Mr. MP had gotten old. Mr. MP died what two months of being two months shy of being a hundred years old. Right. So he was pretty much people that I thought were old. They, you know, MP was old their entire lives, pretty much. They always, I mean, probably even you, Bruce. You know, I mean, you've known him for so long, but your earliest memories, you probably thought he was an old oh, man. Oh well, yeah, you know? for sure, for sure. But but he 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 was old school church that um, if if somebody was sitting in somebody's seat he didn't care if you were a visitor or not it was time to get up and ask them to move and um, I think he told uh, told one time a visitor they were in Della Trussell's seat and uh, and and things like that. Well, one one time he came in late in small church town America, me. folks. That's what we're talking about. We we witnessed a miracle in church one time. Shell was up in the up in the choir loft. I, that's back when I worked the sound, and I was in the balcony, and Mr. MP had come in about five or ten minutes after church had started. He didn't realize church had already started. So he's walking through the church, and people are, I mean, they're up there doing announcement. He's walking in and going, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Walking out. And, and, and there was a visitor, and some family sitting in his seat where he always sat, you know? And so, I mean, it just exactly like this. I, everybody looked, everybody knew that he was walking in, church was going on. Guy out there doing announcements, MP's walking out. I look at Mr. MP, I then look at Michelle, and we make eye contact with each other, and we look and see, you know, there's a visiting family in his seat. 
Michelle bows her head and starts praying out there. Starts praying, <laughs> Lord. Blah, blah, blah. And we thought we were going to have a big scene in church. I sat there, Mr. MP and Miss Madge, they sat in the row right behind those folks. And I, 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 that was a burning bush experience for me, Bruce, right there. I mean, it was a burn that, 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 that he did not sit there and go and tell them folks they needed to move. And, you know, because everybody in the world would have seen it. He couldn't hear, so he talked real loud. And I remember sitting yeah. behind him one Sunday. You probably heard this many times, too. But I was sitting behind him one Sunday, and the preacher was it was getting close to 12. And he looked at it watch. He said, Madge, when is he going to shut up? Yeah. <laughs> of course, everybody yeah. in the church, including the preacher, heard him. Even the preacher started laughing. You know, Everybody heard him. He had a deal one time that the youth were doing a play or something. You remember that? Well, it was what they were it, you know how that sometimes they'll get these kids. I mean, it, it was something done back in the seventies and eighties. Like you don't see it much done now, but they put like a big T-shirt on them, and they put one kid puts their hands and some shoes, and then the other kid standing behind them puts their arms behind them, and um, and and, and they like you know pour a bowl of cereal and spoon it up in their face and make a big mess and all this kind of stuff. Well, Mr. MP thought those were real people up there. He didn't realize that there were two people in the thing right there, and of course he he used some terms that are not political politically correct nowadays that would um, finally somebody I don't think anybody ever got him to understand that there was two separate people up there you know we're talking about Mr. MP but there's some funny things that happen in church when you know the people all your life and you know all everything about them and you get older things happen but I'm sitting by my daddy one time at church and I was he was figuring he was had a bulletin I know he wasn't paying attention to whatever they were going to do in the bulletin it had the name of the sermon was what time is it that was printed in there but well, daddy hadn't seen that he's writing all over and i don't know if he was bought thinking about borrowing some money or figuring out how, how to make some money but he had figures all over because i was watching him he wasn't paying one bit of attention to whatever they were singing he'd stand up but he kept writing on that bulletin so finally the preacher got in the podium he started his sermon and said what time is it and all of a sudden daddy looked at his watch and said 25 minutes to 12. <laughs> You know, um, right now, I think I have I have found my calling, Bruce. I'm the front door greeter at the church that Michelle and I go to down in America. And it's, a, it's not as big as, as the church that you go to, but it ain't it ain't much smaller. I mean, it's one of the larger churches in the area. And they put me at front front door greeter, which is if they knew me as well as you did, they probably wouldn't do oh, that. I should. Though. But, but, <laughs> but I have so much fun. With people that I know, I mean, like, I'm going to tell you something, like Bruce, I'll sit there, it'll be like middle of July, they'll walk all the way up from the parking lot, and you can just tell somebody slap miserable. They've walked from that parking lot in the front and get to the church, and I hand that person a bulletin, and they look like I, they cannot wait to get in there and sit down, and I look at them, I say, our air conditioner's broke today, but don't worry, we've got fans in there, and, and <laughs> they just will sit there and roll their, and I say, no, nah, I'm just kidding, come on in here, and I Sometimes I'll ask folks if they want smoking or non-smoking <laughs> section, or you know, I'll uh, I, I have a lot of fun with that. Oh, yeah, I tell them sometimes I say, how if, if I if we got a visit and it looks like I can cut up with them a little bit, you know, I'll introduce myself and say I'm we're so glad you're here, and they'll introduce the family, and I'll look at the dad and I say, how comfortable are y'all sitting close to snakes? Or do y'all want to sit <laughs> further back from them, or do you want to sit real close to them? You know, so I hope. I hope. I mean, I, I don't think I've been in trouble yet with the preacher, but I, I'm probably not far from it. You know, so as we're listening, to Scott Westbrook, uh, you do not want him to be your greeter when you go to church, <laughs> or, or at Walmart for that matter. If he ends up doing that, you don't want him. He's got a prank, 
if he isn't playing one on you, he's figuring out what he's going to do. That is for sure. Uh, Scott, I want to talk about Michelle. Uh, Scott and I both kick way past our coverage on the wife department. Michelle is reserved. She's beautiful, very quiet, just the opposite of Scott. Same way with Kathy. I mean, Kathy's quiet and reserved, and I'm out there just like Scott is, carrying on all kinds of stuff most of the time. So I guess the first question is, how did you meet her, and how did she put up with you? We met at Rock Eagle. We were 4-H counselors in college at Rock Eagle 4-H Center, and we were really good friends for about a year and a half before we um, started dating. So I tell people she knew exactly what she was getting into. There's, you know, she didn't get blindsided by any of that kind of stuff. We have, have made it work for over 30 years now. And uh, I tell people all the time, I said, you know, Michelle's a Shiite Baptist. You know, she is, she's going to have her prayer journal. If you ask her to pray for you, it's going to be in her journal. So is Kathy, and she's yeah. going to get up at, you know, at five o'clock in the morning and she's going to be in there doing it. You know, and I'm just, I'm sorry. I, you know, I tell people all the time, I, I said, Pray for us. I said, hold on, let me get Michelle. <laughs> you want you want her because she she she's a lot better. But I I've had some some fun with her too. You know, as far as like picking at her because of that, because you know the, we were at a four H thing um, one time, and I was there. It's rare to see me there and not her. I think she was at the beach with her family, and I decided to go to the reunion it was in July. And and the head of the Georgia the executive director of Georgia four H. You know, I was I was helping out on some committee. And he, in front of everybody, he said, Scott, he said, uh, he said, well, good, glad to have you, but where is Michelle tonight? And I was like, I said, Mr. Hart, she would love to be here, but she is finishing up DUI school. Um, <laughs> she is, she has done so well with that. And I'm so proud of her, you know? So the people that knew me at that, no, that was funny, but there were some other people that didn't know me. And so, uh, but, but I've, I've had some fun, like my mother-in-law sometimes, my, um, we go to a family reunion every year and, um, Michelle's family on her father's side, now she grew up Methodist, but on her father's side, they were all Church of God preachers. When, when we have a family reunion, a lot of times they'll, they'll have a singing and some, you know, sharing time. And, and occasionally somebody will start speaking in tongues, Bruce. <laughs> and she didn't prepare me for that the first time that we were there. And I was 18, 19, 20 years old. You know, I'm sitting here at the family, of course, you know, gospel singing. I grew up, that's no big deal. People sharing testimony and things. I don't mean, but people started speaking in tongues. I'm sure my eyes got big as dishpan. Well, so, so, yeah, I, I talked to her about it after she said, yeah, that's said, okay. I'm okay with that. Right, well, we started having kids and, and then one time uh, my mother-in-law wanted us to come up the night before and bring the kids so she could spend some time with kids. I said, no, Michelle, we're leaving tomorrow morning. We're going to go down there, family, you we're going to turn around and come back. We just don't have time to stay the weekend. I got work to do and all that. Well, my mother-in-law was none too happy about that, that I didn't do it. And she wasn't speaking to me. And so I told my, so I, I told Michelle, I said, your mama is not speaking to me. She's mad at me for not bringing kids. I said, she goes, I don't believe it. I said, watch. And I walked over there and her mother just gave me the cold shoulder and all. So we're sitting there eating and they get ready to start singing. And I look at my mother-in-law, I said, her name's Golden. I said, Miss Golden, I know you're mad at me, but we just, I just didn't have time to bring the kids last night. I said, if you ain't going to be speaking to me by the time they start speaking in tongues around here, I'm going to claim to be an interpreter, and you ain't going to like that interpreter. <laughs> I saw something you posted on Facebook about 
the the long sprilly spoons for eating fancy ice cream. What was that about? Yes. Tell me about that. I like you know that you know those some of those real long small teaspoons. They got a long handle, but a little small. I don't know what you got. The spoon part is smaller than typical. And uh, we've got about three of them in our drawer. And I get them when I eat ice cream. That's the kind of spoon I like to use. I you know feel like I'm a little fancier and upscale than than just using a regular spoon. <laughs> Well, Michelle uses that as her coffee stirs, and uh, and I, I was a little bit out of shape one time that she had uh, not washed them and, and all that, and uh, she was using those spoons for for less important matters. You were asking for intervention or something. Let me tell you, let me tell you one other thing I do. See, because Michelle is the way she is, and you know that Kathy is the way she is, they're real easy to to um, embarrass. Oh yeah, of course with with nine year shenanigans. Yeah. Well, a couple of things I like doing to to Michelle, and she's heard the jokes over and over again but it's, it's it's so much fun because of the reaction that people give us when we do this kind of stuff when her and, and, and claire went to, you know we, we, i take them to a new nail salon let's say for instance we were going to a nail salon in columbus they'd never been to i'd drop them off and then i'd run some errands and then come back and pick them up and i'd walk in there and like the biggest redneck and just walk in and i'd be scratching my belly and i'd say and everybody would look at me like they didn't know why I was there because I dropped Michelle and off and right. I drove by. Somebody. So I, I look at the nail salon. I tell people, I say, y'all got any job openings for bikini waxers? <laughs> and you got your wife Those and three. daughter in there, right? Yes, yes. And they, they know it's coming, but nobody else does, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. And so uh, that one, and, 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 and of course, I told you earlier the one about when we were in the grocery store you know she has several items to get and i have several items to get and we end up meeting each other and and she's gonna look at me and smile regardless I mean, she just can't she can't not do that and so she we're going down an aisle and if somebody's standing in that aisle and she's looking at me and smile like she knows me and i know her and this person the people in the aisle don't know that we know each other i'll look at her real serious and i'll say i'll say i'll say don't 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 talk to me i said my wife's here somewhere <laughs> Folks, I would hate for him to be my greeter at Walmart or the church, and I sure wouldn't want to be married to him, even if I was a woman. I certainly want to be married to him. Oh, man. I don't want to be married to him. Yeah, I remember I saw on Mother's Day that you had you had been in the Bucky's. You had your Mother's Day shopping done, and he cares on folks. It's just little things he's doing in life and having fun and laughing and making all of us laugh. It's, it's pretty good. Scott, you've also – been through. I've been doing the same thing. I've had to. You this weight loss journey thing. That's a that's an interesting journey. And you you're always making jokes about that. You talk about trying to find out where little Debbie lives. Or whatever. I lost fifty pounds and I've gained it back and I'm losing it again. And but you know, Bruce, this is the thing. This is this is what you and I've got to be careful of. I think it's probably okay if we lose weight, but if we go in the gym and start working out, that's really not going to be fair to all the single women. <laughs> You know, I think that's, I think stay away from that. I mean, I think, I think, but, uh, but you know, yeah, I, I have fun going in Bucky's now. I do get the fudge and the chocolate, but, uh, um, the, the ladies, like whenever, um, I always feel like they give me the small piece, smallest pieces of fudge they have in there. Bruce, I've told you that before. Yeah, I've seen that on you know, Facebook. Not, so I just got the fudge at Bucky's and they gave me the smallest piece. And he just talked about that. He's on a diet. So he's always, okay. I've been on this A1C thing. I, they diagnosed me as diabetes too. So Kathy's great cook, and that's what that was my problem. You know, she cooks all these cakes and pies. She thinks I'm not going to eat them, and tells me I got to watch my sugar. You know, it's not by me and her yeah. here. I'm going to eat the stuff, and now she's cooking stuff without sugar. So I'm 
she makes these brownies and stuff without sugar using some other kind of sweetener. I guess the artificial sweetener is going to give me cancer, but I'm, I'm, I've got my, my weight down and my sugar is better for sure. After I finally wedged myself in that airplane seat this weekend, I think it took me a shoehorn to get down in there with it. But uh, but I told Michelle, I said, I've got to get back down to where I was when I had lost all the weight. So One of the funniest things, too, that happens in real life is when you're traveling, especially you're alone. I see you posting this stuff, and it, I connect to it because I used to travel all the time, and I see this funny stuff. And, like, I saw one thing that made me laugh out loud that you would think of this. Nobody else would. But there's a picture you posted of a of a car that was parked so close to the pole that was supposed to stop it, you couldn't get a sheet between it. And you said your response, what you put on Facebook, that caption of that picture, I'm about this close to calling it a day. <laughs> we were in the state playoffs we were in the state playoffs um i think the final four or elite eight or something um for, for baseball and uh and I, my mind was not on work anyway and so i'd be I took a picture, I was like, i'm about this close to calling the day and heading straight to the ball field See, what I like. everybody doesn't think like that i mean that's what's so fun that's what's so funny everybody didn't think like that way so you also during the draft, the NFL draft, you, you make comment. You post on here, you know, I, I hope I need to keep my lines open in case Kansas City calls me and you decided to enter the transfer portal and or whatever the current event is, you're always making fun of it. That makes you. Well, I try to stay away from politics and religion. Everything else is fair game. Yeah. That's kind of how I, that's, I mean, you know, that, and, and occasionally some people can find you know, and I do, I, Michelle, I do show her a lot of the posts that I think may be kind of borderline that somebody <laughs> might get upset about. I'll show it to her. I said, should I post this or not? She'll say and no. She'll, she'll say no, or she'll say, or she just like, she doesn't get it. Cause she doesn't keep up with current events, you know, right. she's too busy praying for everybody. So she, she keeps up. Uh, so I have to tell her sometimes explain the joke to her because of what's going on you know, in the world. Cause she's just not watching the news or paying attention to that kind of stuff. You know, oh, you made a post. When uh, Raquel Welch died, some of the younger people won't know who Raquel Welch was, but she died. She was 82 years old, and I remember your comment was, she still had her fastball. (laughs) And you said, Michelle didn't understand that a bit. (laughs) She didn't. I said, 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 Raquel Welch died today. I said, yeah, but she still had her fastball. She goes, what does that mean? You've posted a lot of pictures of a lot of them are gone because you lost your Facebook page, but you're always taking pictures of signs that, people put on that they've misspelled a word they got something funny and that you see something funny in a sign that has been a lot of that that you've posted one of my favorites that was lost on my old page it was it was county signs and actually a friend of mine a lot of people will take them and send them to me there but and i'll give them credit for it but when you're when you do what i do for a living you travel all these back roads and you you just it's really funny what kind of signs people put out in front of their houses or on the end of the road or whatever but uh but this was actually the county, it was down in Mitchell County, and they had two signs. One was on top of the other one, and it had an arrow. One of them, it showed you, like, to turn right at this road. And the one sign said, Mitchell County uh, Shooting Range, and the sign below it said, Mitchell County Animal Shelter. <laughs> I just thought that's kind of weird. <laughs> you much your mind race with what, what, what the, you know, what, the, the fact that they got those two right next to each other, you know? Well, I can tell you. Folks, you can look at life through two lenses. This guy looks at it through the lens of humor, and 
he makes people's lives better. He makes me laugh, and uh, I'm glad you do. I'm glad God, you know God made you that way. You couldn't look at it any other way if you wanted to. That's just how you made up. You see the funny stuff in life, and you share it. And I'm sure there are some people that say that's not funny to me, but you got somebody like me over here laughing out loud. <laughs> Well, and you, because, and then the thing is, Bruce, thank the Lord that our minds work the way they do. You know, I mean, they could go a different direction, and we're looking to be offended. But you and I, I mean, we look at something, and we trying to find our and try. We find the humor; it, it involuntarily pops in our minds sometimes. You know, <laughs> that is true. And and so, so you, I'm, I'm thankful that I was made that yeah. way, and, and, and not uh, not yeah. not on the other end of the spectrum. That is true. There are people that are like you. And there are people that are serious all the time. There's some people in between. But the way you look at life is healthy for all of us that know you. I can tell you that. Let's change gears just a minute. Uh, you mentioned you've been married to Michelle for how many? 30? 30, 30 what? Uh, how long? 30. We've been, let's see. Uh, yeah, you better get that September right. 90, September of 91. So, yeah, almost 32 years in a couple of months. And yeah. Of course, now we lived, we lived together a couple of months. I mean, a couple of years before that, too, Bruce. She, <laughs> she always loves when I tell people that. She's going to love you said that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no. She, 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 like, she rolls her eyes. She goes, they're going to believe it. They're going to really think that we did, Scott. Folks, y'all got to know Michelle. She ain't lived with no man before she got married. I can promise you that. <laughs> that is for sure. But I know Michelle is a wonderful person. You guys have a great family. And your your oldest son's Tucker, your daughter, who's absolutely beautiful, is Lily Claire, and then you got Carson, the youngest, who's about to rise in senior in high school. Talk about them, because I know you're proud of them. I'm proud of them. I, I watched them all be born and grow up. Well, you know, Tucker's my oldest, and he is in Thailand right now. He is a um, student pastor at Georgia Southern with Crew Ministries. Um, he got his undergraduate degree in nursing, graduated, went to Asia as a missionary two months after he graduated, left where he was in Asia. He went to a conference in Bali, or Bali, I don't know how to say it. And while he was there, COVID just spread like wildfire. And they took him, him and his group back to Thailand, but never let him, so he had to abandon everything that he had there and uh, uh, and just come on home. And about March, he had, you know, early March, he came home and had to quarantine in our basement. For a couple of months and i told him i said look son i said you know you've got to you need to go to work you got your nursing degree and your nursing license i said they're, they're they're needing people right now i said daddy nobody's gonna hire me for just a few months because he was gonna go back to school starting in may or june we talked about it at sunday school and, and uh, asked for prayer and what you know what he needs to do the next step and uh one of the people in there put in and said hey there's some travel nurses needed in uh, uh new york uh-huh. So Tucker really had absolutely no experience at all, but he put in for one of those travel nursing gigs in New York. And once they interviewed him over the phone, two days later, he was in the city hospital in New York in Harlem as a COVID nurse with yeah. zero experience. And he learned a lot about nursing there, didn't he? He was baptism by fire. And the thing about it is, Bruce, you know, the Lord put him right where he needed to be because just about every person he worked on up there, he had gunshot victims. He said, Dad, I think every person, every patient I had was probably homeless. Everyone was homeless. Yeah. And so uh-huh. he, he just did the best he could to minister to them. And, and, and he, he, I remember he called us the first night. He said, he said the, the supervisor he's working with, she said, I don't know why they sent me somebody with no experience. Because Tucker told him, he said, I have no experience. And after about a week, two weeks into it, she told him, she said, well, you've won me over. She said, if you not, had not told me that you lacked experience, I would have never known. Yeah. And so that, that right there, it was, a, it was a great experience for him. He came home, he started taking classes, thought he wanted to go to medical school, um, took organic chemistry, 
got an A in organic chemistry some classes. You know, you used to thin out folks. Right. And, uh, and uh, after he got an A in organic chemistry and told us all that, two weeks later he told us he wanted to be a preacher. That's unbelievable. And so he felt the calling, and so he uh, he has uh, uh, really. I mean, if you if you see him at Georgia Southern as a student pastor, he took a group to Cuba um, back spring break, and he is he is right where he needs to. That's Lily Claire got her nursing degree. She went to, um, and that's you know she knew she's known since middle school. That's what she wanted to be, and she wants to be a nurse practitioner. And um, she her first job was at Northside Hospital as a mother baby nurse. She loved that job, and then. Uh, did that for um, almost a year and a half, two years, and then a, a job opened up with those big Botox injections, you know, Drew? Yep. And, uh, um, well, I hadn't had so, one of those. Well, I haven't either, and this is what's <laughs> so funny, because apparently it, it pays pretty well in the nursing field. Is that kind of right now is, is, is a growing field. And she worked there in Buckhead, and I, I told her, I was like, Claire, because I was like, people are going to be having babies all the time. Are you sure that? She said, this is this is exactly what she said. She said, Daddy, everybody does it. She said, well, except Mama. She said, but everybody else does it. You know? <laughs> and so I said, okay, baby, all right, all right. And she's done that. And then in the meantime, this month, one of the hospitals in Panama City or Destin, one of those hospitals down there, recruited some nurses out of Atlanta, sent some, you know, I guess, some headhunters up there, and her and her roommate are moving to get what part near Destin or to the Rosemary beach, beach or, to the beach. Yeah, she's going she's gonna to be an OR nurse. So she's their first five years. She's going to have experience in three different areas. I think in that, she, she's, she is so much like me with her independent spirit and yeah. adventurous heart. You know, I think that she will probably end up being a travel nurse until, yeah. you know, she decides. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. And then you got Carson, who's a great athlete. You guys have been traveling all over the country. You were at Yale this past week. You were in, South Dakota a few weeks ago. You, he's he's a great athlete in every sport he can play in. I guess football is what he's getting recruited the most from, right? Right. We thought when he started high school it would be baseball. We thought that that's what would do it, but um, but but it switched to football. And um, of course now there's believe it or not there's some sports that are talking don't even play both. And so he yep. is. Uh, we knew with the transfer portal. We knew with the COVID years that these kids got. It's just going to be. It's very difficult for last year's graduating class and the, the others to, to, to come out. Because, I mean, you know, the, the Georgia Southern coach, he, he said it best. He said, you know, used to, a few years ago, I had 35 scholarships to give to seniors that are coming out. He said, I save now, I give about 10 or 15 to seniors coming out of high school and the rest of it, I'm going to use it for transfer portal, juco right. transfers and things like that. Right. So it's getting a lot more difficult. So we knew early on that he had to kind of differentiate his product, so to speak. So we decided, okay, look, which schools are not going to the transfer portals? Well, it's your higher academic schools. Those are the ones that are, because sometimes kids that are in the transfer portal, it could be for various reasons, but sometimes it's grades. And so they can't, you know, that just shrinks the pool of potential candidates to go to these higher end academic schools so we decided to target those um and he has done well with his acts and you know the top two in his two or three in his class i mean i you know and i so he's he's really you know doing well with that and and, and the coaches he's just got some just phenomenal coaches and instructors who are who, who really want him to succeed and it's been a great a great journey i'm gonna tell you when you're podcast you did with Giles Amos it's just it was just so perfect for him and what he's been going through um he did get injured at a seven on seven competition over in Auburn um and so it has hurt him in some of his camps because he there was a couple of camps 
that he was going to go to, and he just he felt quite sure he would get off, or if he just performed at those camps like he like he has for his games. But you know, he he had he couldn't even walk last Thursday. It's a grade two or grade three quad tear. The timing of that was awful. But you know, folks, the the lesson is here's a guy that's always carrying on foolishness. Obviously, he's not all the time carrying on foolishness. He's he's very successful. He makes money. He he provides for his family. But he's got this beautiful family. He's got a beautiful wife. Everybody loves Michelle. They don't come any better. He's got three children that are all excelling, doing what they were put on earth to do. I think the lesson is you can enjoy life, and it can also turn out pretty good. You don't have to be serious all the time, right, Scott? That's exactly right. You know, I always said for the last 18 18 to 25 years of our lives, we, we, Michelle and I, have been parents 80 percent of our time and we wanted to put our kids in a position to succeed and let them find their dreams now this time next year we'll be empty nesters and it'll be time for us to you know concentrate on each other again as, you know i mean we hadn't neg- obviously hadn't neglected each other but 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 we just we just wanted to put the cookies on the shelf where our kids can reach them and put them in a position to succeed and and, and so far so good yeah you've done situation. well they're great folks all of them it's a great family they don't come any better scott we're gonna wrap it up what do you want people to know about you to sum it up who, who is scott westbrook i think i and i don't know i don't know exactly what to say to that bruce but i think just generally speaking i'm i'm just concerned obviously with the, with the way society in general is going you and i from our perspective, we, we see that people are walking on eggshells and just trying not to hurt anybody's feelings, whether you intend to or not. I tell people all the time, I say, if you want to hurt my feelings, you've got to probably set out to do it. You've got to make it your objective. You're not going to accidentally hurt my feelings. And I just wish that more people in the world would, would, would have that attitude and not, not look for reasons to be mad and upset and all that. I mean, you know, I mean, if somebody's going to set out and make you mad and upset, then, you know, maybe that's the person you need to kind of steer clear of stay away from but the reality is the majority of the world is not like that and the majority of the world is 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 good-hearted and wants to bring joy to each other and uh um and and that's 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 kind of what i wish folks would well look at keep keep spreading the cheer my friend you keep you keep doing it a merry heart is like medicine that is for sure uh that's right from the good book too but a lot of people need that medicine. Well, and Bruce, I mean, you, you, what you do with your podcast and your speaking, I mean, you know, I mean, goodness gracious, son. I mean, you have really hit a home run and bringing so much joy and, and, and peace to folks. And, and, and like you said, I mean, it's, it does do the heart good. And I've tried to kind of pass that along to my kids, too. Viewing life from a hearse, it could be worse. Laugh, think, and cry with the country undertaker.